Welcome to another episode of the Black Social Capital Podcast. We are so excited you have tapped in today. We're going to dive right in with today's guest, who is Nate Howard. Nate is a professional speaker, poet, educator, and social entrepreneur. In May 2013, Nate made it to the front page of the LA Times for sparking a movement against racial profiling after 79 police officers shut down his event at USC. He founded a nonprofit organization called Movement B to help young people discover their stories, and he has also directly impacted thousands of students. Seeing poetry as a means of self-expression, he challenges school he challenges school systems to see its use as vital for the development of youth, giving them the courage to find their story to challenge the status quo. Nate has recorded his own poetry on songs with artists Ty Dolla Sign, Kendrick Lamar, and Dr. Cornell West. In 2021, he appeared on Netflix's Song Exploder for his contributions on Ty Dolla Sign's song LA. Nate was selected on the inaugural NBC Black 28 list as one of the top 28 Black leaders in the nation under 28 years old. He was later featured on the Today Show as one of the best and brightest game changers making history. Welcome, Nate. Hello, hello. Wow, you make that bio sound good. Thank you. <laughs> Look, I'm excited. I, uh, you know, it's... It's always exciting for me when when uh, we have somebody on the show. I've been waiting a long time to get on the show, even if they don't even know I've been waiting a long time to get them on the show. Uh, me and Nate go back a little bit, as, as uh, you all heard in his bio. He was at SC. Uh, I was uh, at uh, staff at SC at the same time when he was a student. And you know, sometimes people pop into your your uh, your purview and you and you know that they got a factor that it factor that x factor that thing that's gonna uh affect lives and i could tell from the start that nate was one of those folks so it's good to catch up with with this young brother and see what he's up to these days so uh, i'm gonna pass it back over to dr jackie because i know she's gonna kick us off right yeah well, welcome. Thank you again so much for being here. But we're gonna we're gonna start off by going back. So let's talk about your major in college and whether it influenced influenced your interest in activism and the arts. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, while I was a major, while I was a student at USC, I majored in communication, um, and I really wanted to get into USC Annenberg just because I, I knew the history. Uh, of the school, uh, and it was huge 
to my activism. Uh, when you're in Los Angeles and, you know, media empire and, and doing work in Annenberg, uh, that was the start of storytelling. Um, and when we're looking at, you know, the time of, you know, 2011, 2012, you know, people are getting on Facebook. Um, you know, Instagram is just really starting at that time. Um, we were able to really learn how to connect our stories to social media. Um, and really a lot of our activism came at the, you know, at the start of hashtags and Twitter and Instagram and, and pushing and mobilizing people in that space. And so I remember actually being in classes on learning how to use social media activism um, and build there. So my major around communication, you know, journalism, um, it was huge to kind of learn how to tell my story in digital media and social media uh, for activism. Awesome. So tell us why the arts are important to you, especially poetry, it seems like is, is among the most important. For sure. And when you think about, you know, my whole model is tell your story before they do with the question of who was they, right? I think we have an idea, but when we, when we point, it's like, who are we pointing at, right? It's this hegemonic power that it's like, ah, I know who I'm talking about, but who is they? Um, and so poetry allows you to be the namer, right? You know, our language, the way we speak, uh, we have to be politically correct or code switch um, just to assimilate. You know, we're not being ourselves. And so the arts, I'm a spoken word artist. So this is my story. I get to tell it how I want to tell it, spell it how I want to spell it, rhyme it how I want to spell it. Um, it's really challenging the status quo. And then also I say that the poet is the least liar. I'm not saying poets don't lie, but what's the point, right? So the whole goal of poetry, art, creativity is to really be your authentic self right? To really share your art, share creativity of who you are. Um, and then that becomes healing. You know, that allows you to say, hey, I don't have to force myself to speak their language or act in their way. My poetry is me and it comes out poetically, right? This is my language, right? So that's why the arts is important to me. You know, we all say that poetry is the voice of the unacknowledged world. And so, when you look at all of these stories and poems of communities, um, these are the stories that haven't been told, right? And it's encouraging those communities to just keep writing their poems. And again, to not have to assimilate to code switch to their, to their language, just to write in, in their own tone and voice. I'm, I'm gonna jump in there a little bit because um, like what you're talking about reminds me of, uh, I guess it might be a, a summer ago now that I went to the, the pop-up uh, Tupac exhibit in, in LA mm -hmm. and I just remember you know I'm a big fan but it was it was like crazy to me that he had notebooks on notebooks on notebooks on notebooks of, of poetry and scripts okay. and things like that so um, can you go back a little bit further like when did, when did this love of poetry of wordsmithing like how did you get into that was it a, was it a person was it an album mm -hmm. um, give us some of that little backstory yeah, it was actually uh, in elementary school. Um, and I went to a school called Mount Airy Christian Academy. Um, and we started in the church. Um, and, you know, my first poem was God Loves Me. 
You know, God loves me every day. God loves me in every way. I remember being in, you know, second grade, writing that poem and, and reciting it in the church. And so um, that's kind of where it started for me. Um, and then middle school, it was like, uh, that's not cool, right? Valentine's <laughs> 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 oh, Day, you know, this is not really, you know, so. I started getting more to my rap, right? And trying to kind of figure out that kind of lane. But I've always been a poet at heart, right? I've always in school, like we had to, Langston Hughes, Maya Angelou, right? I, this was stuff that, you know, we read and I, I found interest in it. And my teachers kind of, you know, validated me, say, hey, Nate, you are a poet. You don't even know it type of thing. So at fourth, fifth grade, I'm like, oh, I'm a poet. That was my identity. Um, and so I say now, even today, it's like, if we can teach Shakespeare, we can teach Tupac right? They're both poets, right? Um, and I'm sure the students, you know, that I work in our communities probably would relate more to Tupac, right? And so, um, you know, so I, I think poetry, you know, for me, since the beginning has, has been a passion. I started writing early. Um, and to your point about Tupac, I mean, I think people would be surprised how many of the artists that they love or enjoy or appreciate are just, you know, real poets, you know, um, at heart. Yeah. You know, what I particularly love about the arts is that it seems like part of what you do, and I do want to get into talking about your nonprofit soon, but it seems like part of what you do is you help people like express themselves. You help people tell their own stories. And in that process, they're learning how to be authentic, right. but like whatever they create, somebody probably relates to that. Right. So I might not be a person that is able to do spoken word and write poetry, but I definitely tap in and pay attention and pipe up when somebody does um, share what they have. And I relate to those experiences. And I think about how much that work that people do to express themselves to like, just get it out, you know, mm -hmm. affects language in general. Like if you just look at like poetry, like proper, like you get, little phrases like I know why the cage bird sings and like all of these like phrases from poems that are very popular but then if you go into rap like it is a game changer in our language it mm -hmm. helps everybody like one person's self-expression can help everybody tap into something so much more authentic I love it yeah yeah no no thank you for that Dr. Jackie I think um what I've done with our workshops in poetry for both kids and adults is if you imagine if you're working in a corporate space or if you're in the traditional classroom, you know, I take the traditional classroom of a time writing or, um, you know, a thesis that you have to write, you know, on any academic level, right? Um, you know, there's some type of professionalism that you need to put into that paper, into that work, right? You know, at your job, there's some type of professionalism or some kind of way you have to carry yourself. And that can be exhausting, right? Because part of you knows that your writing is authentic, but you are writing to a standard, right? You are, or yeah. you're acting to a certain space or environment. And so, um, you know, I'm thankful and I'm learning more to, to continue to have this freedom and to help other people get this freedom of to just be, right? Which is the name of our organization. And poetry allows for that when you really think about that and mm -hmm. my background is poetry 
but we also introduce uh, art, right? Painting, right? Um, music, you know, all of the creative arts that you can think of. Um, and we challenge people to find the creative artists in themselves and to kind of hold on to that, you know, as part of their, you know, real identity of who they are. Okay. Well, let's, let's start getting into it. Tell us about your nonprofit. What, what was the catalyst for you starting it? What is it? Tell us everything. Yeah. Yeah. So you see Dr. Thiel's wearing that shirt. I'm, I'm a scholar, not a criminal, right? I, and, you know, and what was important about that is not saying, you know, anything else to, you know, identify as a scholar against, you know, uh, versus not being a criminal. The really the idea is that here we were USC students. Um, I was a first generation college student as a number of other of my peers. Um, and here we are in, you know, South Central, South Los Angeles, and we are still being targeted, right? Thinking that we have some type of privilege because we're on USC and, you know, we're in this institution, but right outside in the community, the police aren't looking at us any differently, right? And so while I was a student at USC, I dealt with a number of microaggressions. Well, why are you here? Do you play football? I mean, obviously, you know, if you look at me in person, I'm not as big as these football players, right? Um, and I think the stereotypes of trying to fight for who I was was really the catalyst um, to begin my nonprofit. But what really happened was 2013, before my graduation, I was throwing a party. We had um, mainly black students. Um, and there was another party going on across the street, mainly white students. Um, officers came to shut our party down and told the house across the street to be safe. Um, yeah, May 2013, um, 79 LAPD officers was counted, uh, made a barricade on my street, 23rd and Hoover, just down the street from USC. Um, I'm handcuffed and detained in the back of this police car. Um, they handcuff and arrest other party goers from my house. Um, and, you know, it caused an uproar. Um, because here we are feeling, you know, black students of USC. Um, why were we being treated this way? And the house across the street was being treated differently. Right. Um, which kind of just spoke to, you know, maybe some issues that kind of were on campus as well. Were we treated differently on campus, right? Um, where is our space? Where do we belong? Um, and so I think that was the wake up call days before my graduation that, you know, I can't have B.A. tatted on my forehead or, you know, yep. I can't look at and say, hey, just because I'm black, but look, I'm a scholar, I'm academic. You know, it's that was the wake up call that I'm challenging now, because I think a lot of us, hey, young black man, go to school, get good grades and everything will be all right. That's not true. I think we're, we're understanding that. Right. And so, hey, of course, do well, become a scholar, do great academics, but that's not going to beat racism. OK. That's not going to beat some of these other issues that, that we're fighting. Um, and so, you know, we had a protest the next day on campus after that, you know, the officer shut us down. Um, it made national news and ended up on the front page of the LA Times. Good. And this is the time of, you know, Michael Brown, but before that, Oscar Grant. Um, and a lot of stuff is happening. Black Lives Matter hasn't really sparked yet, but we're in this kind of time of, oh, what is going on? Right. Um, mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking, hey, we're part of that. We're making media. We're making news. People are, you know, hashtagging. This is going on. So I'm thinking this is success to me. 
Um, yes, success to awareness, but as far as what do we do next, I felt I was lost. I'm going to graduate, and what is going to happen? So that really sparked me to go back to my hometown of San Diego, start an after-school program, um, one, because I needed the money, <laughs> um, and two, obviously, I think it was just a great idea to teach you know young people from my community to not let people stereotype you, mm-hmm. to not let people put you in a box, um, and to express yourself through poetry, and that became Movement B, you know, after school in 2013. Um, and fast forward now, we have our, our own youth center here in San Diego, running summer programs, after school programs. Um, so it's been exciting. So, but I, I think I think I, I remember the whole situation, right? Um, but what makes me, I think, proud, right, is that that quick turnaround between you know that that whole incident and the spark and the kernel of your organization right there's not a lot of people that graduate and immediately after after college are, are starting their own thing they're they're making waves in their community right and so i think um you know one of the things i think about is you know what was that what was that process like you know going from idea of of an organization right to uh, the, the actual thing, right? What it, what did it look like to to apply for grants? Like, how did you how did you learn about that? Did you learn about that at school, or was you did you have mentors along the way that was kind of guiding you in those first few months? Because in my mm-hmm. mind, I was like, Nate came out the bag hitting. He was yeah. ready. Um, they messed with the wrong people, right? Because I because yeah. I'm thinking about you know the the people that were at your party, mm-hmm. right? It, it 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 was it was you know, student leaders and the people that had made waves on campus. And I was like, as soon as I got the call, I was like, see, they don't even know who they was messing with. Because these are all the people that had the plug. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, it was that turnaround. You know, when I think back to it, it's just, you know, that's why I mean, I'm, I'm spiritual. I think a lot. I talk a lot about purpose because it I could have never I didn't write this story in that sense. Right. I, it's so funny kind of that. I like I say, tell your story, write your own, but I could have never guessed that would have happened like in a million years, like that. Um, my whole goal was I was in communication. I was, you know, I was doing a lot of music, doing music interviews. Um, I wanted to work for MTV, like just, you know, being a VJ doing interviews. Um, and so you know, I kind of now tell the story of like, man, life is happening. It's, it's it's not happening to you. It's happening for you. Right. And so when that hit me, like, oh, like, I'm graduating. I don't have a job. <laughs> like, and I kind of like I'm, you know, this Mac- Malcolm X figure and I'm probably going to scare corporations away. Like, nobody, you know, I don't like what do I do? Right. So really, I had to go back home um, because. I couldn't afford to live in LA. There was nothing else I could do. <laughs> like, so, um, and I knew I had this kind of experience, you know, that I was still fighting and I knew my passion was poetry. So, and I knew I could teach a poetry program after school. I didn't realize that, you know, five students, 10 students were coming after school because they liked poetry. Then that turned into 15 to 20 um, to 25, 30 students why are you guys here? Um, 
and so I realized they were there for more than just poetry, right? Um, a lot of the kids, you know, I don't want to go home, right? I don't have a home. I'm living in my car, right? Like it's it's crazy at home, right? I don't like I don't belong anywhere else. And so that's really became the base of movement B. I'm not saying it was an accident, um, but it was I didn't it's not something I necessarily wanted to do graduating college, if that makes sense. Um, but if you understand your purpose, you can't run away from it. <laughs> so, I mean, still to this day, I'm like, I'm done. I don't want to do this. I don't want, but it's like, I'm so connected to purpose and what God is calling me to do or whatever the universe and my spirit is calling me to do that. I'm here, I'm here to serve. Um, and so, Grants, fundraising just becomes natural because if you're fighting for something, it just you're on the move because I got to serve this kid or I have to build this program. And it just becomes a passion, you know, um, that you can't run away from. So so I guess getting into that a little bit, you know, outside of the, the actual ins and outs of, you know, applying for grants. And, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about, you know, what makes a successful grant application mm -hmm. but but broadly what would you say um helps people to believe in, in your vision right you've got something that hasn't existed before or you're starting something new right you started off as an after school program now you're in a building right so mm -hmm. in order to be in a building somebody else had to believe in the things that you were talking about so talk about that like how do you get people to believe in the vision that you have if they don't see it just yet. Yeah, I think you know, there's a quote that I, you know, that I always uh, repeat. It says, you know, grass doesn't try to grow, it grows. Birds don't try to fly, they fly. And so I think a lot of us have an understanding of who we are, what we want, you know, um, but it's kind of being able to just tap into that essence to just be. Right. Um, and so, you know, to that point, it's funny, every time I like tried extremely hard for something um, and it just wasn't meant for me, it just it just didn't connect um, when I've allowed myself to to really just be in myself. I, you know, I get that it just sounded very spiritual, but this is the truth of it. It's that's just allowed my essence to just be guided you know, to the next step. Um, and so part of that, I think, is the first step, right? Um, from there, you know, I get excited about my work. So it never feels draining, right? So if I want to take time to spend hours learning how to write grants or the, I don't know, the 100 grants I got rejected on, right, before I ever got one. Right. It wasn't tedious to me because it was my passion and I was I felt purpose for it. Um, and so now I think, you know. As I'm still learning, we have a system in place that um, just allows for us to. Um, you know, write grants, fundraise, you know, do other kind of contracts that I've kind of learned over the years from just trial and error. Go ahead, Jack, Jack, Jack. Yeah, so I'm wondering, um, 
So Movement B is an after-school program that helps students tell their stories through poetry. That's right. And you have, you got everything together, right? Like you got the fundraising, you got the administration of it all. What's like, what's like your vision for the program? Are you like, is it growing it within that school, more schools, a different type of setting altogether? Like, I don't know if you have any idea that, but yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, no, we, we, we've grown over the years. Um, you know, we started in an after-school program at my old high school. Um, then I started doing workshops at different schools. But then we also started doing workshops in the juvenile halls. Um, I started doing uh, workshops with foster youth, uh, youth impacted by homelessness. So, you know, our vision has always been to, you know, look at those youth or individuals who have been underserved, but really be specific about it, Right. If we know youth in foster care, you know, age out at 18 and maybe they have extended to 21, I mean, who's still really an adult at 21, right? Um, obviously, that's leading to homelessness, right? Um, obviously, that's leading to incarceration, right? Um, there's a number of things here. So, I mean, I, you know, when we talk about mental health and we talk about a number of these things that our families and our youths are, are going through, there's... There's never there's so much work. There's so much work. So, um, you know, the vision is huge, you know, but I think it's, um, you know, we're in a youth center right now. I have a I have a small staff um, and we're running as a, an operation similar to a scale of what could be a Boys and Girls Club or YMCA or Creative Arts, wow. you know, 2,500 square feet building. I've sectioned it off into different classrooms. I have a curriculum called MAPS, Music, Art, Poetry, Stage. So students start in one of the rooms and they rotate, but they all support each other. You're in the music room that supports the poetry, that supports art, that supports the stage showcase that we're all working on together. Um, so, you know, part of the vision is, you know, we have this youth center, um, you know, I would love maybe if it makes sense to expand in L.A., you know, to partner with USC to do, you know, to serve youth out there, um, you know, go throughout, you know, the country of what I believe is if you grew up in a Boys and Girls Club or a YMCA, you knew there was always something missing. And you always knew that you've always aged out of these youth centers as well. And so our center, you see the outside of it, it, it looks like us. Right. Um you see black students on the building, you see black staff, um, and it's really a youth center that focuses on creative arts, but has that mental health component through the creative arts, right? Um, our summer program right now, we offer a free breakfast, inspired by who? The Black Panther Party, yep. okay? You know, so we had a free breakfast today. I have families taking time to eat with their kids. How often do they get to do that, right? So I'm challenging the school system through this after-school program, through this youth center, and I'm hoping other people kind of see what's happening in education right now across the country. And if we begin to understand, we have to educate our own um, and build our own spaces for our youth and families. That's really the vision of where we're going to, creating those safe spaces mm -hmm. for our communities. You, you would think that, um, you know, in a time where folks are, experiencing all sorts of issues, right? 
um, anxiety, depression, uh, looking for these different types of outlets, right? You would think that one of the most obvious places to turn is is back to this art space where the whole the whole process of the arts is, is outlets and release, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that um, you know programs like yours are definitely right on time. Um, in terms of like where we are now in 2023 and people sharing their stories, right? I think people's attention spans are super short, mm-hmm. right? They're on, they're on social media. How, how do you see social media shifting or allowing people to better tell their stories? Or do you think that these uh, like foundational, pro- you know, platforms, you know, books, uh, poems, like how do how do those things interact in terms of helping people to to shape their own stories? Yeah, yeah, and I think um, yeah, social media is you know it's a challenge, right? You know, uh, I originally started working on some social media and a platform for Movement B because I felt limited, you know, from the platforms like Twitter. You only had so many characters to share your story. Uh, Instagram. You know, everybody's looking for a filter. Everybody's, you know, has their brand or their image that they're kind of upholding to. And it could, you know, that's it is causing a lot of stress and depression, you know, among a lot of us. Right. Because on the professional end, you know, if we're building a business, a brand, we want a certain amount of followers or engagement. uh, And, you know, when does that ever stop? Right. That's never ending. Um, you know, on the younger end, you know, obviously they're kind of leading towards that way, <laughs> you know, um, needing to be liked or validated. You know, I remember I did a workshop and this kid was, I don't get 300 likes on a photo. I'm deleting it. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, that was good, sir. You know, so everybody's standards are different, um, but we we're living in this comparison age. And so, um, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, as I'm learning myself, Um, the best way to express myself that it's more social networking. So that whatever our platforms are, that it leads us to a center, right? So I met you on Instagram or I met you on Facebook or threads or Twitter or whatever. We're talking on here. Now let's meet in person, right? Um, Let's connect locally, right? And share our stories locally. Like let's, you know, that's, that's my intention for social media social media and social networking that i can meet new people or connect with stay with old friends but really kind of find that time to localize that so that we can tell our stories in person you know i think that's what we need yeah social media is so much pressure yeah so if you can I mean, I wonder how old this person is. That's like, if I don't get 300 likes, because I just... Yeah, he was like 14. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I work on a college campus, so social media is a completely different... Actually, it's not that different, actually. We we do a lot of following up with social media (laughs) and the fallout and the effects. No one's exempt. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we really know the effects. I mean, we've literally been living in it. Like I was saying earlier, I mean, I remember, I mean, it was great because once Facebook really started popping, I was like a freshman at USC. 
you know, I, you know, I had started a group, the USC black class, got that Trojan swag. And I literally was finding every black student, you know, I could find and try to connect them in this group. Um, and it was, it was cool. It was fun at that time, right? You were adding friends, yep. you're connecting with each other. But then what's interesting now, I mean, I feel like, you know, my generation, we're kind of the only generation, we've literally watched each other's accomplishments um, as we've grown up. And, you know, I think, you know, now you're kind of like, okay, what is this person up to now? Or what is that person doing? Or what they're not doing? Or, you know, what's happening there? Um, and nobody else has really had to experience that like we have. And so a lot of us think about accomplishing things to post, right? So I'm going to do this because I know I'm going to post this at this time this day, right? So are you doing it for yourself because you genuinely, <laughs> you, you enjoy it? Or are you doing it because it's like, all right, I got my social media calendar in my mind of I need to let people know what I'm up to, right? Um, and then we have this expectation of the result of what people will like or comment once we share. And is it that up to par? But we've put, you know, so we put a lot of pressures on ourselves um, and we don't fully even control that. Um, it may not even go out to everybody we want it to. to. Yep. Um, and so there's a lot to that. You know, I'm sharing the negatives of it, but you know, it's the truth of it, you know, and I, I hope we can get better. You know, you know, what's interesting. And look, my, my, my doctor had us coming on now because <laughs> my, my, my research was on how people navigate higher ed using social media. Right. So I'm like, mm -hmm. Nate don't even know, like the, the group that you started on Facebook, mm -hmm. black class, right. Mm -hmm. That is literally how students at SC right now connect on Instagram. Like they have handles for each black class and they mm -hmm. and they connect before campus starts or before school starts. I'm so and so from so and so. Put wow. your put your put your uh, info in the chat. Like like what you started as a uh, as something that you needed just to connect is yeah. a whole thing, right? And I think that that's some some of the things that that as we are in the pot. We don't we don't realize right if you in the pot and it's getting warm you're like it's cool yeah. right but you step outside the pot you're like what's going on over there and yeah. I think that uh, you know as you step back from from companies from organizations from communities you can see you know those those levels of impact um, as well so I, I think it's it's really cool you know because I can think back to to those iterations right I, I remember. You know, you all asking for space. There's a dope space on campus now. Mm -hmm. They don't know y'all asked for it in 2012 and 2013, mm -hmm. right? But uh, but we always talk about the things that we start now sometimes aren't for us. And mm -hmm. I think that that's uh, something that I think about with Movement B, all the work that you're putting in with students, right, as they're learning to express themselves. Like, that's, that's ripple effects, mm -hmm. you know. For, for years down the line of like, yeah. here's how I'm gonna, you know, speak truth to power. Here's how I'm gonna be able to get on that stage, right? And stand up for myself or stand up for others. So it's really exciting to see, you know, those steps in in, in motion, like right, right now, you know? So man. yeah, you doing it. Man, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Thiel, man. Thank you, thank you. 
I want to echo that. I'm thinking about how there's nothing really wrong with being liked on social media. And typically what people are looking for is authenticity, right? So like we grew up without first without social media and now we're in a world that can't imagine not having it. But the children that you're working with have never not had social media. It's ru- it's ruled their entire lives. They were probably like little babies that had to learn how to smile. Have you seen the little little kids? They like they know when the p- phone is pointed in their direction, like they need to pose or do something yeah. cute and just like what does that even do to your childhood? Yeah. To where you have to think about your followers. Um, there's also another little boy, or actually I've seen lots of kids do this. They um they make little videos on their parents' phone and they go like, hey guys, like and subscribe. And they tell their their narrate their narrate they narrate their little stories. And all of that it is what it is right now, right? Uh, somebody needs to be studying the effects on it so that we can figure out how to control it. But that's neither here nor there. There's nothing wrong with being liked on social media. And I think what you're doing with movement B is allowing your youth that you work with to take a step back and really think about who they are separate from not just social media, but just separate from everything. Because before we had social media, it was also the schoolyard, right? Um, And your reputation and who were you and like that type of authorship, like you're giving them an opportunity in a world that doesn't give them a whole lot of time to really develop that way. That's right. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's, you know, you know, I have a daughter. She's, you know, she's a little over one and she can, you know, she can look at her phone at the phone and she's, you know, <laughs> how do you know how to do that? Like, <laughs> but she just watches us and, you know, sees, you know, um, you know, how we may just be on our phone, you know, going, you know, whatever, just scrolling. And, um, I think at the youth center, why I enjoy my job so much, because if you can just think back to as a kid and, you know, we just, you know, added our outside space, we have our basketball hoop, we're going to put our little four square out there. Um, We literally just have fun with the kids. You know, you remember the innocence of just, you know, come inside and you just, you know, want to play all day. Um, it's the things like that when you can put your phone down, be present in the moment with these kids, with others, that you're like, ah, this feels good. You know, and, you know, through the pandemic, when we had to, you know, stay inside and this is all we had. You know, I think people are looking, you know, to detach, you know, at times. And, and we just want to find that balance. You know, yeah. um, I'm learning I don't have to share everything I do, you know, um, and that I can just be OK with. That's for me. I like that, Nate. I'm proud of you. That's in my camera roll. Okay. Mm -hmm. And let me just engage my family, my friends, you know, and just in a natural way. That way I don't have to keep responding to who's seen this and who did that. And I could just be in the (laughs) moment. So that's what I'm learning. Um, I'm wondering, you know, as we wrap, I always like to, to ask folks, like, what can we do? I know we're on this platform right now, but what, what is it that folks can do? You know, as they listen to support your your movement, the 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 kids in San Diego, uh, your your overall vision. What are those ways that we can support you and make sure that things happen for you and, and your network as well? Yeah, no, you know, thank you for taking the time. Thank you guys for having me. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, the goal is to, to build Movement B. I think we built the model in San Diego. Um, you know, I, I would love to kind of continue to build relationships with, with others who work with youth. Um, you know, we work with youth up to, you know, they consider youth up to 24, 26, you know, I mean, um, and I work with the youth who, you know, are most disconnected, you know, um, and so anybody who has a youth, you know, who, you know, can need some motivation, some support, um, you know, our center, you know, is in San Diego, but, you know, we have a platform at movementv.com where we can help you tell their story through poetry. Um, and yeah, I mean, and then I, and that's just a challenge, you know, to all of us, to whatever youth that we have in our life, you know, to, um, you know, let's work together. You know, I don't know it all. I'm happy to work with others who are doing this work. Um, and yeah, you know, um, I'm just kind of excited to, to build with whoever is, uh, down to build and connect here. Um, so yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Dr. Jackie, you got anything else for us? No, I'm looking up the website. Okay. Oh yeah. There's a donation button. So yeah. mm-hmm. yes. So everybody go to movement B and, um, hit that donate button. Yeah. All yeah. these kids are so cute. <laughs> yeah, we got our elementary kids and our model is we work with the high school kids, um, the young adults, and they mentor the elementary kids, right? So that's how we reach our K through 12, our K through 16. Um, yeah, I think we're trying to build a pipeline, you know, for this industry of after school summer programs. Um, that's our lane. Right. Especially in the summer right now. Yes, it's a summer program, summer camp, but, you know, COVID messed up a lot of kids. Um, Let's be honest about it. Um, Reading level is behind Um, students. You know, so this is we're playing playing catch up. We've already been behind. Um, So it's important now to, you know, we're using our summer hours. Kids are going to the library. We're having reading time. We're having fun. But I look at summer school and after school as our time to continue to educate what our, you know, our schools may not be educating our youth in um, and, and building there. So uh, I love it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, well, it sounds like it's time for us to move Come on. Uh, and, and be about our business. So, on, um, you know, I, I want to thank you for being on the show. Uh, and I think Dr. Jackie, I think that's a wrap. That is a wrap. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks so much, Nate. Thank you, Dr. Jackie. Thank you, Dr. Theo. Appreciate it. We'll see y'all on the next one. Yes, sir. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Remember, the way we build social capital is to build self and build others. Be sure you got some notes on your tablet, computer, or even using a pen and paper. Leave us a review. Continue the conversation on social media at Black Social Cap and share the show with someone you know. Until the next episode, stay motivated and rise together.